What's up, guys? Locked on Irish Podcast coming your way. Big Tuesday edition show. Just a grab bag of topics today. So before we get into it here, make sure you're following us out there at Locked On Irish on Twitter, at Locked On Irish on Facebook. Let's get some discussions going. Let's talk about what you want to talk about. Remember, the official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Really excited for this show today. We're going to have some fun. We're going to do a campus whip around. We're going to talk some lacrosse, men and women, softball, baseball. Just get a check-in of how those teams are doing on campus there. Cut the music off there. Also going to preview BC coming up tomorrow night, 9 p.m. tip-off on the ACC Network. This will be uh, the 2.0 preview, if you will. Remember, we lost the rematch, or well, lost the initial matchup. Now we get an opportunity to redeem ourselves a little bit, and I mean, we need it right now. It's every game's must win. We're gonna take a look at the top twenty-five, the new top twenty-five that just dropped yesterday. We talked about how Kansas is the new number one. We'll kind of go down through, uh, see who the number one seeds, uh, what they look like going into the tournament, what we can project right now. Of course, a lot's gonna change between now and next month when uh, Selection Sunday rolls around, and uh, Chase Claypool potentially a new position for Chase. And I guess I, ne- I I thought about it, but I never really thought about it. So, uh what do we want to do first today? Let's do let's do the campus whip around. Let's talk some let's talk a little bit of everything, not football and basketball for uh for Notre Dame. Um man, you know, a lot of success, a lot of success happening on in, on lacrosse, that's for sure out there on the field. Um we have a really strong lacrosse program. Um you know, the the team has really been successful. The men's, especially, honestly, I didn't know anything about the women's program until I started doing this show. I mean, I'm real honest with you. Fully transparent. Did not know much at all about the women's team. But I'll tell you what, this team is balling out right now. So let's start with them. Uh, starting the season 4-0. and Since the last time we talked about them, they beat Ohio State 18-7. to And they just show no signs of slowing down. Now, big challenge coming up, number 22, Duke. Will be coming to South Bend on March 1st. And the ACC is always tough. Always tough, regardless men or women uh, lacrosse. But this team is really, really strong right now. Really strong and really fun to watch. I mean, they're just dominating the teams they're playing outside of like Northwestern, who's uh, one of the best teams in the country. Um, the team is led by Casey Choma. I mean, this girl, wow. Wow, wow. I mean, 12 goals on the season already in four games. It's it's really they're really fun to watch. When I brought this up and I said, you know, I'm gonna start doing campus whip around. I gotta actually watch some of these games, and I mean they have not disappointed in one bit, not one bit. Uh, Samantha Lynch, 11 goals in the season. Um, I mean, just the how they flow around the field, their passing ability. I mean, this game was close. It was seven to five at halftime. Second half rolls around, and we outscored Ohio State 11 to two in the second half. You get the opportunity. Check this team out online. That's where I think most of their games stream. I had to do a little digging trying to find it. But, uh, man, just a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, you know, if you support Notre Dame Athletics, get get behind this team because I have a feeling they're absolutely going to make some noise when it comes tournament time. Now, if you want a little education on the Irish lacrosse team, they have made the Final Four one time. Uh, lacrosse in general as a women's sport has actually been played for a national title since, I think, the early 80s. And, of course, who would you think would run lacrosse? Maryland. 14 national titles. Actually, second in national titles is, believe it or not, can you guess it? I'll wait. 
Second is Northwestern. I never seen that seven national titles. I guess I didn't see Northwestern as really a powerhouse in anything, but uh, impressive that uh, what they've been able to do in lacrosse. Um, the uh, Notre Dame's uh, lacrosse team, the women's team, uh, looks like thirteen NCAA title, uh, NCAA tournament appearances, and just really since the turn of the two thousands, they hadn't had an appearance in, until o two, and they're in there pretty much every year um, since the turn of the two thousands. So again. You know, keep an eye on this team. I know it's off the radar, but give give some of these sports a chance, man. I, I know until I started covering sports, I was just like you, potentially like you. I don't want to stereotype you, um, you the listener, but you know, I stuck with the big three, big four. You know, I grapple, I do jujitsu, so I also paid attention to the UFC, especially if a guy likes fighting or whatever. You know, college football, college basketball, NFL. Um, you know, a little bit of NBA. I'm a Pacer fan. But I started doing this, and um, you know, a couple years ago, I started covering sports and covering other things that weren't that. I mean, you have to show some interest if you're going to cover sports. You got kind of got to branch out a little bit. You know, Notre Dame football Saturday is going to be a little different than your local uh, basketball team on a you know Wednesday evening. It's a little bit different, so you learn to kind of expand your horizons a little bit. And uh, man, don't don't sleep on this women's lacrosse thing. Check it out. Now, men's lacrosse team also rolling, as we said, thirteen to five over uh, Richmond. Richmond came in at two and one. Um, I mean, really, it was a story of two halves. It was four to two at halftime. Notre Dame comes out in the second half and <laughs> puts this game just out of reach, jumping out to uh, twelve to four lead, seven goals in the third quarter. Finished the game, like I said, thirteen to five. Really impressive performance by you know several individuals out there, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, do we look any further, any further than Pat Kavanaugh, four goals? I mean, he had 12 shots in the game. Everything works through Kavanaugh. I like when Matt was there, Pat Kavanaugh, absolutely, uh, absolutely shine. Goalie, absolutely shine. Whenever you only give up five goals in hockey, or hockey, yeah, five. Yeah, whenever you only give up five goals in hockey, five goals in lacrosse, hey, you you give your chance, your team a really good chance of winning, in my opinion. Uh, softball team not as hot since the last time we talked. Um, they came off that ACC Big Ten challenge, four zero. You know, ton of runs scored. They've cooled down definitely a little bit. Three and three. They're starting to play some teams out on the West Coast, and we said this would be a challenge. You know, the Pac-12 pretty much runs softball. Um, you know, they lost to San Diego State first game off of the Big Ten ACC challenge. Blew out BYU. Beat Seattle six to four, but then got into the Pac-12. 5-1 loss to Oregon, but did bounce back nicely, 7-3 down in Palm Springs, um, or in Palm Springs, over Arizona State. Then a loss to Cal State Fullerton, 5-4. The uh, softball team is back in action. Three games set against Duke starting February 28th here in just a couple days. And the men's lacrosse team, I didn't mean to skip over that, they are back in action against Maryland, which this is going to be a big step up in competition. I, I'm sorry I missed this. You know, they played Cleveland State, blew them out. Richmond dominated the second half, won the game. They got a three-game set coming up with Maryland, Denver, and Ohio State that is really going to tell the tale of, okay, is this team a national contender again on the big stage? You know, Maryland pretty much runs lacrosse on both sides. Denver has a national title to their uh, to their credit there. Um, and then we will be attending the Ohio State game on March 10th at 4 p.m. up at uh, up on, um, in Columbus. So we'll let you know how that all pans out. 
And last thing here during our campus whip around, we wanted to check in on the Irish baseball team. Uh, baseball team 2-1 and one since the last time we talked. In, uh, had a game canceled against Incarnate Word, then beat Incarnate, Incarnate Word 12-1. to one. Uh, beat Toledo on a neutral site nine to two, and then beat University of Texas San Antonio or lost to Texas San Antonio four to two. I do not have a box score on that particular game, but two nice wins in current word and Toledo. Not necessarily national powers by any stretch. It is a little concerning losing to Texas San Antonio. We're going to learn a lot about this team very soon. Sitting there at four and two, it's a nice start. Irish baseball never been very strong. Three games set against Presbyterian coming up February 28th through March 1st. And then we get into the ACC schedule. And I think the, the, the Toro Carolinas here, Presbyterian's located in Clinton, South Carolina. I want to see how we play in those three games. And then I want to see how we do against the likes of a North Carolina. You know, we come out of that set, say, 5-1, and 4-2. and two. At 5-1, and one, we can really start to talk about something. North Carolina, traditionally decent at baseball. Um, and then we get like a Radford right after, right on March 11th. We have the opportunity to kind of get some momentum going before we get into the real meat of our schedule coming up here. All right, guys, back at it again. Locked on Irish podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's talk about this BC game coming up tomorrow night, 9 p.m. tip off, ACC Network. <clears throat> I hate these 9 p.m. tip offs. Um, again, BC not a good team. Um, we, we thought, we knew they were athletic. They had the Duke transfer. They've had a lot of things that make you think they should be a solid team. One, they beat us by one point up in Boston. It was an ugly game. We didn't play all that well. Um, nobody was really on of note. We made a lot of mistakes in my opinion, had 15 turnovers, which was very unlike us. Um, you know, it's just a, one of those games that's very frustrating, especially in hindsight. Um, when you look at what Boston College has become, you know, they started the season 5-5. Five and five. Okay, fine. Kind of is what it is. You, you thought a tradition, they're just a traditionally bad Boston College basketball team. Then they beat us, and they kind of go on a run. You know, in that game we played, we gave up 19 points to Derek Thornton, and we knew, we knew that these guys were athletic, and they had some ability. Heath had um, 16 points. They got 19 points off their bench. They they just played better than us. You know, Gibbs had a nice game, had 22 points, but we weren't getting in the near the bench production that we're getting now. Even though, albeit the last game against Miami, Lashevsky kind of had kind of reverse roles. Goodwin had a good game, and Lashevsky had a crap game. That's what happened against BC. You know, Lashevsky had a decent game, had six points off the bench. Goodwin went one of nine. He hits one more shot, we win that game. We're not even talking about this having to be a revenge game against a 13-15 and 15 Boston College. Uh, Fluger struggled hub inefficient, which I think we're learning more and more that that is kind of what we can expect from Prentice Hub. You're going to get great games from Prentice Hub, but for the most part, I think he's just going to be erratic. Until next year. I mean, nothing's going to change this year, in my opinion. There's nothing he can do this year, unless he just gets hot. I mean, see Kemba Walker. He just gets hot and takes us on a run. But outside of that, I mean, he's just going to be a wildly inconsistent player. He's going to give you some great nights, and then he's going to give you 3 of 11, 3 of 8, only take one trip to the line, not aggressive in the lane. One assist as a point guard, that's unacceptable. Five turnovers, that's exactly what he had against Boston College. Again, 3 of 11, 3 of 8 from 3. 
no blocks, five turnovers, one assist, zero steals. For a point guard, that's unacceptable. You cannot have that out of your point guard position. So what has the Boston College Eagles done since we've played them? Um, not a whole heck of a lot, to be honest with you. I mean, so, okay, we had... Here's where my thought was with, with BC. They came in at 5-5, five and five, they beat us. Okay, that's great. Or they're 4-5, and five, they beat us. They beat Albany, they beat Central Connecticut, they beat Cal. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, maybe BC's better than what we thought because we've seen the athleticism. They get blown out by Duke. Kind of to be expected. And they beat Virginia. You're like, okay, this is the team we thought. Since they beat Virginia, they are 4-9. Two of those wins coming against um, NC State, I believe. Or no, Virginia Tech. They beat Virginia Tech twice. So they've beaten three different teams since, what, January the 5th? Uh, we got to win this game tomorrow. We got to win this game. We got to win this game going away. This should look about like uh, about like the Miami game the other night. There's no reason it shouldn't. As far as who to watch out for on BC, it's going to be the usual suspects. It's going to be Jay Heath. It's going to be Derek Thornton. Uh, the, these guys, this is what they do. This is this is who their offense is. Um, Nick Popovich, uh, Jarius Hamilton, the Hamilton brothers, those guys, they're going to show you some production. Um, I really think probably it's going to come down to Thornton. Remember, he is the Duke transfer, played pretty significant minutes for Duke back in the 2015-2016 season. Kind of the unsung leader of the team. I mean, he, you know, there's no or undisputed leader of the team, I guess would be the proper terminology. Um, scored in double figures in every game except for the game against Miami, ironically enough. Um, well, he's, uh, since Virginia Tech on January 25th, he's had double figures in almost every game, um, except for that Miami game, which is weird because you know, he had 21 points against Duke, uh, 22 against NC State. Better competition. He had more production. Um, but that's who the, that's who the ball is going to work through. He doesn't shoot incredibly well from three, only a 20% three-point shooter. Um, you, you know, not incredibly efficient from the field, under 40% from the field. He just kind of is what he is. He's an athletic guy, athletic guard. Uh, he's going to give you a lot of effort. He he can make you miss. Um, I mean, he can give you some rebounds out there for a guard. He will distribute the ball around, leads the team in assists with 3.6 a game. He just kind of kind of is what he is. It's nothing we haven't seen before because we've seen him before. I mean... <laughs> Nothing nothing surprising here. And with the way this team is playing, I don't see this as being much of an issue. Uh, Jay Heath, same way, 6'3", 175. Nothing we haven't seen before. Uh, first year of game action. Now, he has been really productive here lately. I mean, really productive. He's had double figures in every game since January 15th against Syracuse. I mean, you look back at his previous games. And he's shooting a little better from three. Three of nine in the last game, two of four, three of seven, two of eight, three of seven. So he he's hitting. He's hitting. And then since that game on January 15th, where he only had five points, he's had at least one three in all those games. Had four against four threes against Pitt, four threes against Louisville. This guy can shoot from behind the arc. I mean, we have got to be able to contain him. Have a hand in his face. Make him go after contested shots. Absolutely make him go after contested shots. He actually did not start in the last game. Uh, last time out against Clemson, uh, but he did come away with 16 points. So that's got to tell you everything you kind of need to know right now. Uh, last two games, they, they haven't looked good. They haven't looked good. Now, they do have a nice win over NC State uh, two game, three games ago, 71-68. But, I mean, the same Miami team we blew off the court the other night, they've lost 85-58. 
Virginia, they got beat 78-65 in a revenge game for Virginia. Clemson, 82-64. I mean, guys, this is just... This should not be a challenge. Shouldn't be a challenge at all. Um, Still only scoring 64.8 points a game. That's plus 350 in the rankings for those keeping score at home. A little better defensively. They're only giving up the 69.8, according to ESPN. But still, guys, this is this should not be a challenge. Um, we need better. We need good guard play. We need aggressiveness. Uh, matchup predictor right now has a seventy percent chance of the Irish winning. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the Irish take this one, eighty-one sixty-two, based on the way we're playing right now. Uh, that'll take us to eighteen and ten overall and nine and eight winning record in the big east or in the big east in the acc wow knock the dust off that reference right um there's a it's funny there's a, a article about seton hall on my screen right now and i immediately went to in the big east that's where we used to be maybe about eight years ago that reference would have uh would have been relevant but not right now and with the, the amount of acc games that are being played that it should give us because I don't think NC State's in action tomorrow. Let's take a look at that. Uh, no, uh, NC State's actually in action tonight. So depending on what they do against North Carolina, if they lose, then we could be in sole possession of fifth place in the ACC. Um, could go a long way. I think this is going to be one of those deals where we just show up. I do. Because there's so many people underestimating us, so many people saying we can't get it done, we can't get in the tournament because of this, that, or the third reason. We just need our win. We just need our win. You look at all the teams that are on the bubble, they all have that one tier one win. We have to get one. We have a great opportunity coming up against Florida State. Uh, I mean, really, that's going to be our ticket. Uh, Hopefully the house is rocking there at the Joyce for that game, and all roads lead to there. We can't look ahead because we have business to take care of against BC and against Wake. But if we take care of those games, puts us at 19 wins, get number 20 over Florida State, I gotta believe we're in, even by the loss to Virginia Tech. I do, because we're gonna get a decent matchup in the first round of the tournament. Let's talk about that for a second. Actually, let's go ahead real quick. Let's pay the bills, and then when we come back, we're gonna talk about where what the prospects of our tournament's gonna look like here with the ACC. Also, gonna talk about a potential position change for Chase Claypool, and look at the new top twenty-five right after this. All right, guys, back at it. Locked on Irish Podcast, Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So one of the things I wanted to touch on here real quick, it just hit me. I did it last night, but the way the ACC tournament sets up is right now we're the five seed. If we can stay on the five line, we will play the winner of the 12-13. This is projecting ahead because we need to gather some wins that maybe that, that aren't on the schedule, and we, we have the opportunity to do that. So as it sits right now, if we finish the season as the five, we would play the winner of Miami and Wake Forest. you got to believe that's a win based on how we've performed against them. D- d- I mean, agree, disagree? I, I can't see any reason why it's not. I mean, that would take us – I got I mean, we are in line right now for 20 wins based on the way we're playing, our talent versus what's ahead of us. Neither one of those teams scare me. So then you move on. If we are the five seed, the five would play the four. The winner of the 5-12-13 kind of group there goes on to play the four, which would be, as of this moment, Virginia. Does that scare you? It doesn't scare me. Uh, if we go to the six line, we'd play the winner of the 11-14. 
which as of right now would be Pitt or North Carolina. North Carolina could get interesting because they're so athletic. But again, from how good are they? Take that uniform off that team. It's a terrible team. It's a terrible. It's a terrible team anyway. But a, a lot of people get caught up in the allure of North Carolina and Larry and Coach Roy Williams and just all that. I mean, in fact, I think Pitt beats North Carolina. I think we'd probably be playing Pitt. And as the six seed, you move on to play the three seed. And as of right now, that three seed is Louisville. <laughs> again, I'm not scared of that. That matchup does not scare me one bit. Chris Mack, as we seen last night, you know, had a big lead on Florida State. Florida State just ran away with that game on them. Um, I've seen it for years when he coached Xavier. And it's kind of the same kind of thing with Coach Mack with Louisville. That game does not scare me a bit. Now, where it gets a little dicey is the seven seed. With the seven, you play the winner of the 10-15 matchup, which, again, not incredibly scared of that matchup. Not at all. But it's the next round that really concerns me because I think we're a bad matchup against Florida State, and I think we're a bad matchup against Duke. Um, I think we can beat Florida State. I don't think we can beat Duke. There's something about, as Vander Holyfield used to say, styles make a fight, and uh, that fight I don't like. I like Florida State a little bit better, but they're just so much deeper and so much more athletic. And that's kind of where we sit as far as our prospects in the ACC tournament. So let's talk about the top 25 real quick. Uh, where things sit right now. Kansas is number one, followed by Baylor, Gonzaga, Dayton. Uh, San Diego State fell from that number one line after their first loss of the season, got upset by UNLV. You knew it was coming. You did. You knew it was coming. It's too tough to run the table, and maybe that's good for them because I don't see them as a Final Four team. I see them as a very good team with a weak schedule. Um, They play efficiently. But I don't see, I don't know if I even see them as an elite eight team. The mid major that's really interesting right now is Dayton. I mean, Dayton is just blowing teams off the court right now. Really fun to watch, and it's just being down the road from where Locked On Irish is recorded. I am absolutely pulling for Dayton in the tournament. You know, and obviously, unless they play the Irish, would love to see a school like Dayton maybe hoist a national title. How wild would that be? And that arena has so much history and and things like that, where they play the first four at it. It'd be pretty cool to see them get one. Uh, rounding out the top ten, of course, I said San Diego State at five, Florida State at six, Duke at seven after the loss to NC State, Kentucky eight, Maryland nine. Maryland did drop to Ohio State over the weekend. Creighton at ten. Tell you what, look out for Creighton. All the love in the world for Seton Hall right now. Um, as far as people on the outside looking into the Big East, Creighton is an animal. Okay, Creighton is going to be tough to deal with. And again, another mid-major that has an opportunity to get to the Final Four. Look out for this team. I like Creighton to win the Big East Tournament, too. So let's talk real quick here before we close out the show. Let's talk about Chase Claypool. Yes, Chase Claypool. Why would he be in the news? And It's February the 25th. Why would we be talking about Chase Claypool? Because there's a potential for a position change for Chase Claypool that I, I guess... I thought about, but I never thought about it that seriously. So Chase had his measurements and things at the combine, combine coming up this week. And the way he measured out, he he's measuring out like a tight end. And the Colts have shown interest. There's some buzz on Twitter about the Bears. And this is all that, that for that from that perspective, it's all Bears or all Bears fans, not actual writers or anything like that. 
talking about Chase Claypool's a tight end for their team, and it's like, wow, I guess I never really thought about it. Six uh, four, did measure in at six four, two thirty eight. Um, yeah, I mean that's a big guy, six four and two eighths, hands nine and seven eighths, arms thirty two and four, and then wingspan was eighty inches. Uh. I mean, Claypool is a physical specimen, and we knew it. We knew he was a physical specimen. He's actually put on nine pounds since the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl. He's up to 238 from 229. Uh, and they say that he's really embracing this the, the thought of becoming a tight end, and if you really think about it, it makes sense. He's a big body. He isn't the fastest guy in the world. He never showed incredible separation, but he showed he could go up and get the ball. He would be a nightmare absolute nightmare for a linebacker because he is going to be faster than a linebacker. He's going to be too big for a corner and his combination of both would make him a difficult matchup for any safety in the league. Um, the article I've got right now is from Colts Wire, part of USA Today. You know, Eric Ebron going on, uh, going to be a free agent. Could it be the Colts go ahead and, and snag the guy from just north there? Um, as they say, the big thing with Chase Claypool will be blocking. And he showed the ability to block as a wide receiver, but it's different as a tight end. You're an extension of the offensive line. You're going to be kind of counted on. You can't, you know, when a, it seems like when a wide receiver makes a good block, it's no matter what it is, it's just the greatest thing in the world. Well, it goes from being the greatest thing in the world to this is your every single down job, essentially, unless you're obviously going on a pass pattern. But you've got to be able to block. You know, a lot of receivers can make it, not being a block because of their catch production. As a tight end, good luck making it if you can't block. That uh, I don't I don't know many that have made it and not been able to block. Uh he would work alongside uh Jack Doyle with the Colts. Um said he's it's Jim Nagy here from um SB Nation said spoke to four scouts and three said Notre Dame's Chase Claypool won today's weigh ins, put on nine pounds, embracing the tight end conversion. Going to be a mismatch problem at the next level. Yeah, I would say so. As we know, Chase Claypool caught 66 passes, 1,037 yards, 13 touchdowns last season. Just a great senior year. Going to be absolutely missed. And the reason, I mean, his physicality, his athleticism is exactly why he's going to be looked at as a tight end prospect. And just goes to show what Kelly's been able to do in creating a guy who, okay, he'd be an okay as far as what he's being viewed as. He'd be an okay wide receiver in the NFL, but to have the ability to make the switch and maybe be all pro, it's a big difference in career, big difference in or career outcome, big difference in your payment, your payday. Um, just to have that kind of just versatility to be able to say, okay, I might be an okay wide receiver, but man, I can really make an impact for somebody as a tight end. Uh, I think that shows a lot of uh, a lot of development in the Coach Kelly uh, Notre Dame football program. So that's the show for today, guys. Hope you enjoyed it. Locked on Irish on Facebook, Twitter, at Locked on Irish, that is. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere you get your podcast. Make sure you're listening to us. Follow us online for all the latest. Uh, next show will either be Wednesday or Thursday. We'll keep you updated on the Twitter page. Till next time, go Irish. Go Irish.